Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm your host, Mike Organ, alongside Vanderbilt beat writer Adam Sparks. We have got a loaded show today. We're going to talk about Derek Mason's job security as a football coach during a pandemic season, the supposed facilities plan for athletics, and what Vandy's hiring of two new deputy ADs says about the status of athletics director Candace Lee. Adam, first let's talk about Derek Mason who has an 0-3 record this season with one postponed game heading into Saturday's game against Ole Miss. Yeah, Mike, I think this is a pretty good question, and this question is going to be asked a lot around college football this year, already has, and somewhat around the SEC, is that, you know, do you you count it against a coach for his record this season and the performance of his team during the pandemic? Um, You know, Vandy, that's – that. That's a pretty pertinent question because, as you mentioned, Derek Mason's 0-3 this year. Could Vandy go 1-9 or 0-10? They they certainly could because the performances have not been great lately. They've also been hit hardest by COVID of anybody in the SEC, at least of what we know publicly. Uh, at least 10 guys are, have opted out. There are already some, uh, some depth issues there. And then Vandy had a postponed game, which you mentioned. Um they didn't have enough players last week during a bye week and they had a game and it's going to be in question the rest of the year. So, you know, if Derek Mason ends up with a terrible record, should he be given a pass? Uh, that question was actually asked of the athletics director, Candace Lee on a zoom call she had with, with us last week. And here, here was Candace's um, answer about evaluating Derek Mason and other coaches during a pandemic. You know, when I think about evaluation of our coaches, I think that's ongoing. So uh, I I would say that COVID certainly lends, um, I think it it gives everyone pause in terms of how we do some of the operational things, but it doesn't impact the evaluation process. So um, I I don't, I I think you reference like the pattern of extensions. I, I haven't really thought about that per se in terms of what that timing is, but I've just been thinking and working with coach about kind of our, the, the expectation is that the product on the field is something that that we're proud of and that we're putting ourselves in position to compete and win all the time. So that that evaluation process is ongoing. Um, I think Coach Mason would say the same thing. I think all of our coaches would say the same thing because no one's satisfied with where we are. You know, I think that when you're thinking about how you assess coaches, there are multiple factors that you look at. I think COVID is um, – it's certainly another lens, but I, I don't know that I would say complicate. It's just another thing to take into consideration as we figure out how to move forward. At this point, I'm just trying to, you know, I feel like my job is to make sure that our coaches have everything that they need to do their jobs. And, and that's what I'm focused on for Coach Mason and all of our coaches. So I thought that was interesting. You know, she said it, it doesn't impact the evaluation process, but she hedged that a little bit and said, 
you know, it's, it's a lens though, that you have to look through COVID is, uh, that's, she's kind of on both sides of the fence there. I, I, but I was surprised of how direct she was about saying that it wouldn't necessarily be an impact. I, I tend to think the biggest impact on Derek Mason's tenure is going to be his contract situation, which is still has multiple years left on it, but you can take that and add COVID to it and say if his chances of being fired this year were 50-50 with COVID, maybe they're more 20-80 or something like that. I, I have to think COVID is going to be taken taken uh, at least as a factor in this, don't you, Mike? Well, yeah, and, and you brought it up earlier. You know, when, when this is brought up in general conversations, not just Vanderbilt, I point, I bring up the fact, well, all coach, aren't all coaches on the same playing field, aren't they? Is this not a level playing field? Every coach in America is dealing with COVID. Now, you brought up that Vanderbilt's been hit harder, which it has, and not only by the uh, COVID numbers, but the opt-out numbers also related to COVID. So uh, is it a playing field or is it not a playing field? That's the thing Candace Lee has to decide. You know, do I look at my coach the same way that uh, Tennessee's coach looked at by his athletics director, Alabama's going, well, let's skip Alabama, uh, say uh, South Carolina or uh, <clears throat> Kentucky, any other school, or is it a level playing field or not? Yeah, and I guess the, the thing is, is that without COVID – I think Vanderbilt is already starting with a situation where they're not judging their coach like other coaches. For example, uh, Muschamp at South Carolina, um, you know, in a regular 12-game year, you know, he needs to go seven and five to keep his job in, in some years where if Derek Mason goes seven and five, he gets a contract extension. He's gotten a, con a couple contract extensions at six and six. So you're, you're starting pre-COVID, pre-pandemic already um, with a different standard that Derek Mason is going to be judged compared to others. He doesn't have to win as much uh, to be for his tenure to extend. So if you take that away from it, um, you know, do you – do you sort of give him more of a pass during the pandemic? I, I, I think Candace Lee essentially there was hinting that no, you don't. Now, now that being said, uh, behind closed doors, there's got to be more talk and negotiations about, you know, what the difference in Vanderbilt means. Is, is, the, is the playing field different in terms of COVID also? You know, today we're recording this on Tuesday and Derek Mason alluded to some of the extra precautionary test protocols that Vandy does. I haven't nailed down completely if Vandy is that different from other college football teams, but they're certainly in the upper level of more strict protocols. You know, he mentioned that he had had players so far this year that had been, that had passed their quarantine or their isolation, either their 10 days or 14 days, and yet still didn't play in the game because they had to pass additional conditioning tests and acclimation periods and, EKG tests and a whole lot of extra tests that sometimes would take a 10 day isolation of a positive test all the way to, he said two and a half weeks. Again, there's some of that at almost every program where it's not 10 days, it's, it's multiple days after that. But if Vandy's is or stricter protocols than other schools, Derek Mason knows that, and Candace Lee knows that, and that's certainly going to be somewhat of a conversation. Hey, the team I'm playing this Saturday got their players back in 12 days after a 10-day isolation. I got mine back in 20 days. 
I think that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but if there's something to that, um, you know, Derek Mason will certainly use that. And Vanderbilt, as you know, Mike, are, are usually lean more towards keeping a coach longer rather than getting rid of a coach quicker. And that's going to be one thing that I think they could certainly lean on if they wanted to keep Derek Mason under contract longer. In my history, uh, and I've, I've been at this job 35 plus years, there's only been one coach who was fired that would even be considered prematurely. And that would have been Watson Brown, who a lot of people felt like deserved one more year because he had just revamped his staff. Other than that, Vanderbilt has by far in a way been the most uh, lenient and, and given uh, a coach every opportunity plus some. I have one other question about that, Adam, that uh, maybe you can answer since you, uh, you were on that Zoom call with Candace Lee. What about Candace Lee looking through it, uh, through this lens of here's an opportunity for Derek Mason to address adversity and come through it and do better than anyone expected, kind of like the Titans did a couple of weeks ago where they hadn't practiced but six hours and 14 days or whatever it was and came out and won a game decisively uh, over the Bills and got praised for handling the adversity so well. Why not, you know, is that in Candace Lee's nature to look at it and say, well, Derek, you could have done something with this and shown us what a good job you can do no matter what you're up against. I, I think it's uh, – I don't I don't want to speak for Candace here. I, I think more Vandy as an institution when it looks at athletics is going to say if that occurs, then that's a plus. But it's not necessarily a minus if it doesn't. It's gravy, yeah. so to speak. If you – have something extra like that and you still win, then we're going to praise you all the more. But if you have that type of challenge and don't meet it or exceed expectations, we're not going to necessarily hold it against you. It, you know, it's always the the good and bad about coaching at, uh, at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, the bad is it's so hard to win. The good is that, um, you know, you're given a pass sometimes for not winning. And, you know, Derek Mason has has been praised a lot for getting to two bowl games, for going six and six a couple of years, for beating Tennessee a few years in a row, which nobody had done since the 20s. Um, he's praised extensively for that. That's, you know, a okay season at other places. On the other hand, when he's uh, he's got a really, really, really tough job. And so, you know, that's the pros and cons of that job. But, uh, you know, I also say that, you know, what I mentioned before, it's almost kind of a, an accepted thing in college football this year that nobody's going to get fired during the pandemic. Now, yeah. somebody's going to get fired. Uh, I mean, a defensive line coach just got fired at Tennessee last week. So, <laughs> so somebody's going to get fired. Um, but Vanderbilt, I don't think – Vanderbilt for sure does not want to take even the risk of a PR hit of being the one that leads the charge – of during a medical crisis, they're the ones that fired their coach. Whether right or wrong, I'm not saying. I'm just I'm just saying of what we both know of Vanderbilt. They're not typically the one that's going to jump out in front and say, "Well, hey, it's a medical it's a medical situation." But you know, football matters more than that, and so we're going to fire a football coach because he didn't win games. I don't I don't I think that's off brand for Vanderbilt. I, I've been hearing since the preseason that this was going to be. This would buy Derek Mason another year. I mean, no matter what, because uh, – and I, I think that the university 
is there, there's nothing positive about this pandemic, but the university is very glad that it's not going to have to make that decision this year. Uh, that, 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 that was a possibility before the pandemic, that a very strong possibility. And now it's not a possibility at all. And I think that that is one of the few good things that has come out of the pandemic for the university. So while we're talking about Vanderbilt athletics being on brand, uh, let's talk about facilities. Um, last week, Candace Lee was asked about that. Uh, she said, I believe her, her quote was, we're working behind the scenes to tee up everything. And she was talking about phase one of a master athletics facilities plan. Um, now, Mike, you've been uh, you've been around this beat a lot longer than I have, and I've been covering this beat for a number of years, also. But uh, have you heard that before? That we're just we're on the verge. We're we're on the verge of almost about to roll out a preliminary plan that will lead to the possibility of maybe thinking about building <laughs> something. Have you heard that before? Our plan is to come up with a plan that helps us determine what needs to be done. And then we will plan from there. Adam, I do, I, yes, I'm an old timer and I have, most of my stuff is history, but I have something new to add to this too. I uh, spoke yesterday to uh, the West End Civic Club, which you've spoken to at uh, the Holiday Inn at Vanderbilt. And I drove right past the campus on my way to uh, that hotel. And you drive by there and see the construction that is being done where old Carmichael Towers used to be. They have knocked half that campus down and they're rebuilding the most beautiful aesthetic uh, buildings that you can imagine. And all this was done with very little fanfare. I mean, yeah, we heard they were going to do it and they did it and they're doing it. Why can they do that? How are they able to to knock down buildings and, and rebuild. And I'm not just talking about four towers and rebuild them right there along West End. And yet we're going on 20, 30, 40 years since significant uh, athletic uh, improvements have been made other than an indoor facility. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer to this is always, it's just, it's priorities. And it's not right or wrong, but it's uh, the priorities of the university are academics and student life and all that. And that's what they've always to be. Uh, it's frustration for fans because they're in a conference that has athletics at a higher priority and that's it's an odd fit and that's what, how it's always going to be. Um, you know uh, Candace also gave a, an update and, and let me say I, I don't I don't think it's fair to blame Candace for the latest iteration of of this we got a plan for a plan to make a plan to exit out another plan uh, i understand she's been there for for a number of years in a, a lower role in the athletics department she's now ad she's only been ad a few months um let's see um now taking candace out of that i mean she should be judged on this but she should be judged you know on down the line a little bit um I will say in terms of how should people react to um, the phases and the master plan and all that, the locker room renovation was delayed by the pandemic. It was supposed to be done this season. Understandably, it wasn't. You can't necessarily have construction during the pandemic uh, as, as much as you can outside of the pandemic, but it's scheduled to be done now, maybe before spring practice, uh, if not spring practice, certainly by the summer. So it'll be here 
uh, next season. It's a less than $5 million project. So that's a small thing, put in new lockers and some renovations within there. Um, the larger uh, long-term plan, Candace said, uh, is c- to get football out of Magugan, which would be an enormous thing. That means building a new football facility um, outside of Magugan, somewhere around the stadium. Um, and then after that, maybe add some space in Memorial to add an extra practice gym. I will say Vandy's, I think, taking the right tact and maybe a little off-brand that they say they want to spend their money in the revenue sports first, uh, football and basketball. That's what other schools do. They should do that too. And they think that'll help the other sports by freeing up some more room. Uh, uh, the, the, the way that I'll say I think Vandy fans need to react to this is skeptical, cynical, because they've earned that, because Vandy has earned that response for them, uh, from them. But I, I, I take of a, uh, I think you should say, I'll believe it when I see it. And it's, you don't have to be snooty about it, but okay, you've got a plan. Tell me when there's a shovel in the ground and I'll get excited. Until then, there's really no reason to be. Would you agree? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. If I could offer Candace. Lee, any advice, that would be my advice is stop with all these, here's what we're going to do. Wait until it's done because, hey, the fans you've got now are your rock bottom fans. They're going to stick with you because you're down to the the, the very bottom, the, the, the ones that are going to be there no matter what. Wait till you, like you said, you've got a shovel in the ground, you've cut the ribbon and, you know, a structure is going up and then say, you know, come to the media and say, hey, have you noticed the building over here or and that's another thing i'm i, I question adam is where are the you know where, where's vanderbilt gonna go where's football gonna go uh short of buying land around the community uh buying the wendy's on west end or the hotel i just mentioned uh i don't know where it's gonna go uh to to put these uh uh to, to put football and, another, and, they, uh, and they've expanded some on natchez trace they do own some more land there that they didn't own uh a couple, three years ago. There's some options there, uh, but I, I, they're la- they're still landlocked somewhat, but they've got a little more room than they used to. I think the biggest issue right now is just fundraising. you got to have the money to do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the hard thing to do, to say you started a structure before you announce what you're going to do, where you're going to get the funds to do it. And so, uh, but yeah, I would just, I think right now, words matter. Words matter big for Candace. Lee, uh, specifically, and the uh, new chancellor, if he'd like to lend a hand, I'm sure she would appreciate it if he would just step up and say anything positive. And I know he's, he's put out a few things, uh, tweeted a few things, and, you know, you know, hey, we're all for athletics, and it's the front porch of the university and all that. But if, if he were to do a little bit more than that, she just has to be very careful because every time she says something, there is a Twitter sphere that is waiting to pounce on her with, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard everything we've been just saying here today. We've heard this before, you know, let us know when it's either done or uh, underway. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough crowd to win over, but again, uh, Vandy pre Candace Lee, Vandy has, has earned the, uh, that for their, for their fans to be skeptical of it. Um, speaking of fundraising and facilities, uh, in part, uh, our third topic I want to talk about is just the hiring of two deputy ADs. That's been in about the last, I guess it's about a month ago. Uh, Tommy McClellan, 
Um, he was the athletic director at Louisiana Tech. Christine Kelly was a senior associate AD at Dartmouth. They were both uh, they were both hired about a month ago. Tommy McClellan is going to be in charge of external affairs. Uh, that's revenue generation, fundraising, facilities, projects, marketing, another a number of other things. Christine Kelly is going to head up internal affairs. It uh, means a whole lot of things, but one of those is that she'll be the liaison to uh, to the Title IX office. Um, you know, I mean, I, what does this mean for Candace Lee? Uh, I, you know, I've, I have heard some cynical fans that have said, uh, that have asked me, hey, does this mean Candace Lee is on her way out? Because especially with Tommy McClellan, he was already an AD at Louisiana Tech, was a successful one at that, um, and, you know, was on a short list of, of people that were up for, for high-end athletic director jobs. I knew of Tommy McClellan already because I had had him on a hot board list when the AD job had come open the last couple of times at Vandy recently. He's, he's one of those guys that's made a list, but he, hasn't, he hadn't gotten that job. And uh, I know you, you told me before, you, you also had heard of him just for, within Conference USA, right? Yeah, I, I uh, went up and covered the MTSU Western Kentucky game uh, a few weeks back. And in the press box, uh, some of the administration there were, you know, they, they always, they're always asking me about Nashville and what's going on down here. And they were telling me that they thought it was a stroke of genius. And uh, as you're aware, MTSU's administrators are not always quick to compliment uh, uh, Vanderbilt on anything it does. And they were very high on Tommy McClellan and thought it was a stroke of genius to, to bring him on board. Yeah. So I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical, cynical on the, on the facilities. I'm actually the opposite on this one. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it necessarily signifies anything about Candace Lee. Um, I think it's actually a positive that Vandy hired these two people. Let me, uh, uh, now, I understand anybody that says that, uh, you know, has a conspiracy theory about what this means and things that happen behind closed doors. Is Candace Lee being pushed out already? I understand that because some weird things had happened at Vanderbilt over the years to, to think that's a possibility. So I'm not taking that completely off the table. Mm-hmm. But I, t- I tend to react to things. What's the most plausible um, outcome? And... To me, the most plausible thing is this. Vandy struggled in fundraising and facilities. Vandy struggled in how it's handled Title IX issues, sexual assaults and those sort of things, allegations within athletics. They hired somebody who specializes in fundraising and facilities, and they hired somebody who specializes in Title IX. They had two weaknesses and they hired two people whose strengths match up with those weaknesses. I, I, I tend to think that's more a plausible explanation. They had, they had some needs and they went and filled those needs. There was already a, a deputy AD position open because that's what Candace Lee's position was before. They actually overhired. It's usually Vandy's tact to underhire and understaff. They actually went out and got more help in athletics um, rather than rather than less, I, I I I don't think we have to really go first to conspiracy theories here. I think maybe m- maybe the most practical thing is just essentially what Vandy did. That was my question when I first saw the hiring, and there were those that said, "Oh, look, 
Candace's, uh, they've hired Candace's replacement. My question was, were there uh, positions open? And you just answered that. Uh, and uh, what does that, my question now is, what does this leave Candace uh, to focus on? Well, I mean, you know, she's in a CEO role, and that's what the the AD at almost every every other SEC school that's their that's their job. Now, you can say that maybe it shouldn't be how it is, or maybe that's the best way to do it. Certainly, if you have a big enough staff, that probably is the right way to do it. Um, but I I I think she's I I think this I don't know if this makes her more stable in a role, but I think this doesn't change a whole lot of anything. You know, I mean, I, I get the common sense thing or common sense question of, well, why, what's Tommy McClellan doing? If he was on this short list to get a power five job as an AD, why is he coming to Vandy? Well, let's look at the opposite. Um, he, he's been known of for at least, I've known of Tommy McClellan from afar that he was one of these rising stars for, I don't know, three years, maybe four years. Uh, and he'd been up for power five jobs and he hadn't gotten any of them. At, at some point, you know, you're the, at some point you're a really, really good coach at a mid-major and you hadn't gotten a power five job. Eventually you say, maybe I need to go be an offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that Candace Lee is Nick Saban or maybe <laughs> Alabama, but you, you see what I'm saying. If you're at a lower end position and you're trying to move up and you continuously are told you're close, but just something else is missing. You may try a different route. And, and I think that's what this is. I think whether, whether he's accurate or not, I think he looks at Vanderbilt and says, Hey, they, they're in the sec. I'd like a job in the sec or, or another power five conference. Um, they're saying that they're going to raise, they need somebody to raise money and build facilities. And that's what I do. And if I go there, I, my name is attached to these successes if they do succeed. And uh, and then, you know, a couple of years after that, that's on my resume and I can get a power five job. And my resume just looks more robust. I think that's probably the I think that's probably what's going on more than, you know, more than somebody going and getting Tommy McClellan and saying, hey, we're going to we're going to get Candace out of here. I, I just I, I don't think that one makes as much sense to me. I think that the fact that anyone who might poo poo <clears throat> the fact that he went to Vanderbilt to try to improve himself needs to go back and look at James Franklin uh, and look at that kind of factor. Because uh, if you go to Vanderbilt, if you go to Alabama and you build some facilities, who's going to notice, you know, if you go to Florida and you make some improvements on uh, in football or basketball, who's going to notice if he comes here, the potential is, is great here. If he comes here and gets something done, then think of what all those suitors are going to be saying at that point or potential suitors are going to say, well, you've proven yourself at Louisiana and you've done about all you could do. Then you went to Vanderbilt and you got this done when it hadn't been done in 30 or 40 years. Yeah. You're our guy. Yeah. So it's, it, it, yeah. I think it was a strategic move. I think, you know, the, the potential is much greater at Vanderbilt than it would have been at any of the other SEC schools. Yeah. You're, you're right. I mean, I would caution him on him. He's taken over a pretty tall order. I, I hope he understands. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. He treated this research, but it's similar to what we said before about, you know, Derek Mason and the football job. If it's a really hard job, but if you're one of the few people that succeeded enough, you know, you'll get even more, accolades which is like you said what 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 james franklin did the bar is pretty low if you can exceed that low bar it's hard to get there but if you can uh you'll be judged pretty favorably um for it so 
So and it's a no-lose situation because, if, like we said about Derek Mason, if he doesn't get it done, nobody's going to hold that against him. No, none of these other uh, schools are going to say, well, you know, you went to Vanderbilt and you didn't, you know, they, they were wanting this or that. And, and you didn't get it done. Nobody's going to say that because everybody knows what Vanderbilt's up against, what somebody in his role is up against. Yeah, and 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 one more one more thing before we we sign off on this episode. Uh, let me just chip away one more time at the. This is this is uh, the beginning of the end for Candace Lee. Again, from the plausible perspective, I know that doesn't always occur at Vandy, but from a very plausible, reasonable perspective. The new chancellor, uh, Deermeyer, came in um, this summer. He already knew he was going to get the job a while back, um, what, six, seven months before. He had Zoom calls, meetings with Candace when she was still an interim. If I'm the chancellor and I say, I don't want this lady as my AD, um, you know, I'm probably going to make that clear beforehand when there's still time to go do a search and go get a Tommy McClellan or whoever. I, I, I don't think a smart man is going to okay that as her taking the interim tag off and then just a couple of months on the job, then I'm going to secretly push her out. He had an opportunity to have somebody else as an AD. I, I, I find it hard to believe that he would go uh, the, the roundabout way of doing it. Just, it just, just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's just not the Vanderbilt way, uh, as you've said all along. But, yeah, if you wanted Tommy McClellan to be your athletics director, why didn't you hire him as your athletics director when there was an opening? And, and, and to, uh, Mike, before we sign off, one quick programming note. I know a couple weeks ago on the podcast I said we would talk about basketball and baseball. Um, we didn't get that to, the, to that today. You were on vacation last week. We didn't. I didn't get to it last week. There was a death in my family, family situation, so I did not do the podcast last week. Um, so just personal issues kind of threw us off schedule, but, uh, we'll get to basketball soon, maybe even this next week. It depends on if the schedule is, is released or not. So, um, so that's just a quick note for anybody that thought maybe we'd be talking about other sports today besides, besides Candace Lee and football and facilities and all that. And there's still plenty of time. Basketball uh, season doesn't even start for uh, 28, 29 more days. So there's uh, because of the COVID situation this season. Okay, that does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Adam Sparks, I'm Mike Morgan, and thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.